The All-Star break is over and we're in the second half, which means the trade deadline is quickly approaching. We'll be predicting that and the rest of the season coming up here on Total Bases. All right, welcome to Total Bases here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I am Greg Marino here with Mark Marino and Dom Pastrito. And today is Thursday, July 21st. So no games have happened here today. So really coming right out of the All-Star break into the second half. There's a lot to get into today. So first, anyone got thoughts on the... All-Star Game and Home Run Derby. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have uh, thoughts on them. I mean, as most of you probably knew, Juan Soto ended up winning the uh, the Home Run Derby over Julio Rodriguez. And, I mean, I think we we'll talk about the Home Run Derby here briefly. It's kind of interesting how, in 2019, I think all of us were kind of in agreement that the, like Vlad Jr. kind of had the best performance in the mm-hmm. Home Run Derby, but Peter Alonso ended up winning. And I feel like Julio Rod- the same thing happened to Julio Rodriguez in this Home Run Derby. He almost seemed to have the best performance, but he didn't win, which seems kind of ridiculous. Like you, some of you might be thinking, well, if he had the best performance, how come he didn't win? But I mean, it, he had like a really good, you know, first round, second round, and then wasn't quite as good in the last round. And was, you know, Soto had enough to beat him. But whereas Soto kind of got by in you know the other rounds, I think you guys are in agreement with me on this. Yeah, absolutely. I think Julio Rodriguez was the star of the night, and Juan Soto kind of got lucky with his opponents struggling against him in the first two rounds, Jose Ramirez and Albert Pujols. Yeah, I do think there is something to be said about it's how you finish, and that's kind of no, how I, you I, win. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. in the end, yes, yeah, Soto, you know, mm-hmm. did what he had to do in order to win, so you, he's deserving of the win. But yeah. at the same time, Julio Rodriguez had a dominant performance. I mean, he, never went, he went up against Corey Seager, and I think if Corey Seager didn't face have to face Julio Rodriguez in the first round, he might have been in the final. Like, who, Corey Seager put up the best performance of everyone except for Julio Rodriguez, which just yeah. kind of proves how good Julio Rodriguez was. Yeah. I mean, Seager had a very good performance. He just got knocked out, and no one talked about it yeah. because Julio Rodriguez had such a good performance. Like, at, from the show perspective, Julio Rodriguez was the guy who put on the show. However, it does seem like he tired out a bit since he just completely fell off the map in the final round, just like Vlad Jr. did mm-hmm. three years ago. Yeah, we really saw the same thing with Vlad yeah. Jr. in 2019. I mean, it definitely is a physical grind to... Mm-hmm hit that many balls just taking that many swings and a lot of pressure and you know anxiety and stuff with that time limit you 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 constantly thinking about the timer and and swinging constantly not you know not taking pitches just constantly swinging if you think about like the math of it i think soto hit something like 60 or 70 homers so if they are that's 60 or 70 swings there probably had a bunch of swings that were at homers either a standard mle player has like four or five at bats a game. That's like a day's work for them is like five at bats. This was like the equivalent of like, you know, like fifty at bats in one night. So definitely a grind. You can see why Julio Rodriguez got tired. But yeah, actually, I, th- I thought it was an all right home run derby. Though I would have liked to see Julio Rodriguez mm-hmm. win. But you know, that's kind of how it breaks sometimes. Yeah, I think one other thing we do have to talk about is the Schwarber Pujols matchup in the first round. Yeah. So Pujols went first and did. What everyone thought would was would not hold up against Schwarber. He got 13 homers, by far the worst that anyone had done up until that point. But then Schwarber also got 13 homers, and the tiebreaker Pujols beat him. It's kind of like a crazy like dream story of oh Albert Pujols like the old guy comes in and wins unexpectedly. But then the Athletic did come out with a kind of mini article saying that th- there are rumors that Schwarber threw the match. 
go. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Schwarber was the number one seed having the most homers, so everyone really expected him to have a very good performance, and he really flunked it. I mean, it could have been, you know, some people just aren't as comfortable with the home run derby. I mean, we've definitely seen that. He has done it before, though. Yeah, he's done it before. He did a lot better. It looked pretty suspicious to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can say for sure that Schwarber tanked the match when there's really no hard evidence of it, but definitely, you know... It's, it's a little bit suspicious. Yeah, and unlike um, a lot of people, I think we're all in agreements that I just don't agree with this whole Pujols-Miguel Cabrera thing in the All-Star Game and Home Run Derby. I mean, like, these are stars of the past. We've already honored them in the past, and I really don't think they deserve to be, you know, I, in the All-Star. I think the purpose of the All-Star Game is to have the stars of today playing in today's game. I you don't bring these people who are batting under 200 and over the hill into these games. I, I think for the All-Star game, it's fine. Also, Miguel Cabrera is actually kind of having a pretty solid offensive year. But the thing is, That's for true. the All-Star game, I think it's okay because a lot of players make the All-Star game. I think it's like 60, 70 players make the All-Star game. So h- having two of those spots be taken by the old guys is all right. But for the Home Run Derby, we only get to see eight stars on the field for the Home Run Derby. So having that be pools. I think we may have talked about this last week. I'm not a huge fan of it. But... Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that, yeah. But moving on, what do we think of the second half? So we've all here made some postseason brackets for our second half predictions. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, actually, I'm pretty excited about the second half, you know, as usual. I think we're all pretty excited about it. Yeah. And uh, I think there's going to be some really interesting um, races for divisions, especially with that third wild card spot. I think... Um, In the I, AL? Yeah. Yeah, in the AL, and also, I mean, even in the NL, I mean, the Phillies and Giants are both interesting teams. Uh, I think probably my biggest thing is I just, I am a really a big believer in the Braves. I think the Braves are going to win the East, and I think they're going to go all the way to the World Series, actually. And I, I really think they have the team to do. I mean, we've seen Michael Harris, too, be a great rookie. I think he's going to be Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, Obviously, Matt Olson, uh, Max Fried being a great player for them. I really just think that this team has the ability to take to go to another World Series as they did last year. I agree that the Braves are going to take that division. I don't think they'll, they'll make it all the way to the pennant, though. I think the Braves are going to finish ahead of the Mets, who are going to not make the playoffs. That is my kind of boldest prediction for the second half. I've been saying it all along. The Braves are going to win that NL East, and the three wild cards are going to be the Cardinals, Padres, and Giants. But I think the Braves are going to lose to the Dodgers this year. See, I I don't think the Dodgers are going to make the Royals. I think they'll make the NLCS, but as we talked about uh, last year on the show, Dave Roberts seems to make not the smartest decisions when it comes to the playoffs. He really doesn't seem to be the greatest playoff manager. We kind of talk he kind of overmanages his bullpen and his starting pitching. I don't know if we'll do that again, but even if he doesn't, the Dodgers I mean, Walker Bueller is might not be around for the playoffs, which is a huge concern for them. Uh so their pitching it doesn't look as good without him. And I don't know, I just think the Atlanta Braves have the team to go yeah. to the playoffs, even so, over the Dodgers. So Dom and I both are predicting a Braves versus Dodgers and LCS. Dom has Braves winning, I have Dodgers winning. But then Mark over here has a completely different NL map. So yeah, you want to so, get into that? Yeah, I I had the uh, Padres and Mets in the championship round with the Padres winning. Now, I don't think it's very controversial of the Mets. Either. I think most people... You know, like the Mets way more than you two do, obviously. So this is to get the Padres into the World Series here. Yeah, so the Mets being there is not controversial, but the Padres, a lot of people might think that's kind of weird. Well, I mean, I think uh, Greg and I are both in agreement that you're kind of delusional because you just kind of expect the Padres to win the World Series every single year for the last three years. 
the thing is, this year, they're really overachieving. Whereas last year, they didn't live up to their talent. But this year, like, the fact that they're 10 games over 500, and they're kind of comfortably in the second wildcard spot, well ahead of the Phillies, Cardinals, and Giants, that's really encouraging to me, since they haven't had Tatis, and they also haven't had Clevenger for most of the year. I think Clevenger is, like, the most underrated pitcher in the majors. I mean, I would not agree that they're over that they're overachieving. I think they're almost underachieving at only 10 over. I mean, they have a really good team. Sean Manaya's being great. Uh, you know, like Clevenger, obviously, but they have a great rotation. They have a great offense, even without Tatis. And I think Tatis is actually expected to return very soon. Yeah. So that that's a huge added bonus. I, I really don't agree that they're overachieving. They're well, only 10 games Well, over. that would suggest that you would think they would have a better yeah. chance. But, I mean, yeah, I think the thing that you really have to look at is Fernando Tatis Jr., who's been gone all season, coming back. Think, imagine if, like, the Dodgers were to trade for Juan Soto. You know, we'd be talking about that as this is going to be a huge game changer. Well, Tatis coming back from the IL is just as big a game changer. Also, also, I got to add, a big game changer as Tatis is on my fantasy baseball team. I've been waiting for him all year. So Dom is going to be losing fantasy baseball. Even though I have both rookies of the year with Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris, too, on the fantasy team. Probably. But going back to reality baseball... Yeah. I do think that the Padres are going to be a strong team in the playoffs. I have them making it to the NLDS, but I don't see them going yeah, to the I mean, Series. Dodgers I, and Braves are strong. I mean, maybe thinking you're delusional is a little, you know, overstating it. I, but I, like, kind of, I kind of am agreeing with some of the stuff you're saying about the Dodgers. Like, the starting pitching is good, but it doesn't really stack up to the other NL team's starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, Tony Gonsolin's having... They don't have the dominant a, aces that all these other teams have. I mean, you could consider Tony Gonsolin and Clayton Kershaw to be dominant aces. I mean, they're being really good this year. Yeah, you could, but, like, I mean, like, Kershaw's old, and, like, he might be injured come the playoffs. He also generally hasn't been very good in the playoffs in his Yeah, his, his record for... Yeah, and then Gonsolin and Anderson are kind of, like... Like, yeah, Anderson as well. I mean, actually, I, yeah. I really don't know what you're talking about with the Dodgers pitching not being good. The like, Dodgers pitching is absolutely unfairly well, good. They, they have, have four starters with ERAs under three. Well, the thing is, Julio Rios is really good, but Kershaw is an old man, and Godsolid and Anderson might kind of be like flukes. And they also have Bueller, who's their fifth starter. This is a great regular season rotation, but they don't have the Gromshire, they don't have Burns Woodruff, and they don't have like Musgrove and. I don't know, like Manaya. I, I think, you know, the Mets have DeGrom Scherzer, the Dodgers have Gonsolin, Kershaw, Anderson, Urias. But how are they going to make use of all these guys? In so the now, so, so do they not have enough good starting pitching, or do they have too many? Because if the, if the problem is they have too many, that's not a problem. The problem is they don't have, like, a true dominant ace. Well, I mean, I, the, I, see, I see what I mean, Mark's saying. We're going up against AL teams who, like, you know, like the Twins or, like, the, you know... Red Sox, those teams don't have great starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, I definitely That's agree. A different story in the NL. I definitely agree with your point, I mean, Mark. However, like, them not having a dominant ace, I mean, first of all, Walker Bueller could very well be back for the playoffs. I, is, but is he's Max, not having a very good But year. also, look at the Braves. Is Max Fried a dominant ace? Yes, like he, he is. is. Max Fried is having an excellent season. I don't know if season. I'd say Max Fried is better than Gonsolin. Kyle Wright's have. I, I think this is why I'm really a believer. Look, Spencer Strider's for real. He is. Yeah, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright, and Max Fried, that trio is as good as it gets for any trio. And I really think the Braves can ride to the to the World Series with that trio of pitchers. And if you're going to complain about the Dodgers starting pitching, this is more you, Mark. What about the Padres? They've got Joe Musgrove, which I think is kind of a fluke. And then after that, you know, they don't really have a whole lot else behind them. You know, Manaya's being good. Darvish, Snell. I mean, Manaya yeah. really isn't being that. His ERA is over four. Like, he's a decent pitcher. But, you know, Darvish and Manaya are not the same as these Dodgers guys. Yeah. I really think if we're talking starting pitching, 
that's an absolute landslide in favor of the Dodgers. I mean, I I, think, I don't know. I think in the NL, the best starting pitching, I honestly think, is the Braves with that trio. Even Ian Anderson and Charlie Morton have been disappointments, but even without those two, and I think those two could easily get back. And if they get those two back on track, they're going to be even better than I've expected them to be, which is well, the best. The, at the Mets point. kind of everyone would say that on paper they they've got the best rotation, assuming that Degrom comes back healthy. That's fun. Yeah, and the Dodgers they they do have good starting pitchers, but Dave Roberts generally doesn't use his starting pitchers much in the postseason, which kind of yeah, which them. is which and is the, the same. Exactly dominant. Which is the same point I was making at the beginning. Dave Roberts does not manage the same way. He does not seem to manage the same way he manages in the regular season as he does in the postseason. I mean, we see Tony Gonsolin going seven, eight innings to start here. He he might give him four or five in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm calling that right now. I do think that Dave Roberts is actually a terrible manager. Even though he's been regarded as one of the best managers in baseball for the last five years, that's only because he's had one of the best teams in baseball in his players yeah, I think are so he, good. I think what he needs so, to stop doing is you know, around the fourth yeah. or fifth, regardless of pitch, you, he, he starts worrying about every single base runner yeah. for his pitchers, every single pitch they're making. He starts micromanaging them way too much. Just, you know, relax, let them pitch yeah. six, seven innings, as long as, of course, they're not getting completely imploded. But I think that's what he yeah. needs to do in order for his starting pitch to be more successful because, as a result, his bullpen gets more worn out. I mean, if... If the Dodgers had not won the 2020 World Series, that would have been totally on Dave Roberts, as he was a disaster that postseason. But they won the World Series, so everyone praises his management. Just because you win the World Series doesn't mean that every facet yeah. of your team was good. And in that case, Dave Roberts wasn't. But so, I mean, you ha- there is a case to be made for the Dodgers having the best rotation, but going back to Mark's point, I he said D- Jacob deGrom being good from an injury. I think that's the real reason the Mets are not going to be in first place, because Jacob deGrom is actually not that great of a pitcher. I yeah. mean, he, he really just doesn't seem to do anything for his team. Yeah, really, I don't think deGrom's going to save the day for the Mets. Uh, Scherzer is being great this year. He did have a bit of time, spend a bit of time in the injured list, so they haven't gotten as much innings out of him as they would have liked for this point in the year. But really, the the Mets, I think everyone's under the impression that the Grom joining the Mets is going to be like equivalent, if not better, to like Tatis joining the Padres. I don't think so. The Grom's been on the Mets for years and never done anything to bring them into the playoffs. So, really, I don't see why that's going to change. The Grom's going to come back, and the Mets are going to collapse. And Everyone's going to be wondering how it happened, and, like, I'm just going to be sitting here laughing at them. Yeah, I, I'm more or less going to be in the same boat as you, Greg, except I, I, I do think they'll make— because they have such a good record now, yeah. I think they'll make the wild card. I do think that even even though I'm calling that the Mets are going to miss the playoffs, I, I kind of acknowledge that just based on their position in the standings, that's a bit absurd. Yeah, but so, for sure, the division is— it's for the Braves to win. So we all seem to, you know, be in pretty big disagreements on the NL. On the AL side of things— um. I have the Astros and Yankees in the ALCS. And so do I. It just seems inevitable at this point. Like, yeah. it happens so much now. In, yeah. I mean, the Astros make the ALCS every year somehow. Yeah, so once again, Dom and I kind of on the same page here with Astros, Yankees, ALCS. And I think we, bo- we both have the Yankees winning it this year. Yeah, I, I really think that, like, I don't know. Like, as a Yankees fan, I think I might just have to kill myself if the Astros beat the Yankees uh, in the ALCS again. I, and, I would, like, I plan on being alive a year from now, so... 
by that logic, I think the Yankees have and to win this. And we've definitely seen massive adjustments on the Yankees from this year to last. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aaron Boone's improved so much as a manager. He's adjusted to his team. They're they're yeah. not just sitting back and waiting for the homer. Matt Carpenter. I mean, Matt Carpenter has been the greatest player on the plate. I don't know how long there can that's oh. going to keep. Seventy five at bats, three sixty batting average, thirteen homers. He's got almost so three hundred OPS plus. If you expanded Carpenter's numbers to a full season, he'd have like. 250 RBIs and like 100 homers like it's been insane yeah I mean obviously he's not going to continue that but even if he like gets designated for assignment it doesn't matter that's how good the Yankees are yeah I think the Yankees are the best they've been in all these years of Yankees Astros battles in the postseason and also I think Yankees are going to get home field advantage. I think he's going to yeah. hold that number one seat, which is not which is not a shoe-in for sure. I mean, you've seen huge yeah. improvements, especially yeah. in their defense, their uh-huh. offense, other than and Joey Gallo. I think that's going to make a big difference, too. The Yankees are going to have this ALCS at home, which is going to help them beat the Astros and go to the World Series. But yeah. Mark, yeah, again, has different thoughts. Yeah, I don't I don't debate that the Yankees and Astros are great teams, but I feel like there's a third really good team in the AL that everyone is sleeping on, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. If you think about it, they're having, like, a pretty good year, and that's with, like, massive underachievement all throughout their team, especially on offense. Right now, they're 15-43, and 43 and they're, they do have a wild card. No, I, I agree with you. I don't I, see um, them losing that wild card. I have, them, I have them as the four seed, and I have them making it to the division series against the Yankees. I, I agree with you. They, they're going to turn around the second half. They're going to have a great yeah, I, I actually, rest of the year. I have them placed in exactly the same way as Dom. But um, I just don't see them overcoming the Yankees or the Astros. That's just, I don't yeah, see that there's, possible. There's no way they overcome both of them. I think maybe they beat the Yankees, actually, which is, you have them playing, Mark has them playing the Yankees in the ALDS. But there's no way the Blue Jays are going to beat the Astros in the ALCS. Like, that's just not happening. I think if you look at the rosters, you could make an argument that the Blue Jays have a more impressive roster. The Astros have, like, a relatively mediocre offense this year. And the Blue Jays, like, statistically do, but I see a lot more room for improvement with the Blue Jays' offense than with the Astros. No know. one's really playing up to their caliber. Vlad Jr. isn't. Bichette isn't. Hernandez isn't. These guys could all get a lot better in the second half. I mean, they could, but... I, no, I, I agree. I, I, think, I think they're going to have a good season. I think they'll be the four seed, I like think, I said. But I, I think if you're counting on their entire roster, picking it up in the second half, that just generally doesn't happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So, I mean, that's kind of our playoff predictions. As for individual predictions, I think we all kind of call predicted some MVPs and Cy Youngs here. I think we're more or less on the same page. Uh, Mark and I both predicted Aaron Judge to an MVP, and I, it just seems inevitable. I mean, he's having a, an incredibly good season. Oh. I mean, he's on pace to break Roger Morris's single-season home run record. He's already has 70 RBIs, and it's not even yeah. the second half yet. I, know, I think he might end up deserving it by the end of the year, or maybe Jordan Alvarez will. Or maybe even Rafael Devers will. Or but Jose think, Ramirez. Or Jose Ramirez. But at the end of the day, I think Shohei Otani's going to get favored and win, even though he's doing nothing for his team. He's still going to win the MVP because he's going to put up some impressive individual numbers. So yeah. he's going to, no matter how much more Judge, Alvarez, Devers, and Ramirez have contributed to their teams, Otani's going to win. And I think that's I still think if happen. Judge gets anywhere near 60 homers playing center field, you know, leading his team to a dominant year that is going to weigh more heavily into Voda's minds than Otani. A funny thing about Otani is that, like, last year, I think he just kind of clearly was better than Vlad He hit 46 homers last year. He's not going to hit 46 homers again this year, I don't think. I don't think he's going to get very close to that. He's just going to be, like, you know, he's having a great year on the mound, but I feel like that will probably, like, fall off a bit. And then the offense just isn't going to be that great. I feel like people will not choose 
the two to give Otai extra bonus for being a two-way player, they'll just look at the overall contributions. I don't know, and they'll have to that's, give it. To that's Dodge. not generally yeah. what they've done. I, in the I past. think I'm in agreement with Mark here. In on the NL uh, side of things, I have Paul Goldschmidt, which might seem like a boring pick. But, I mean, I think the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, and I think he's going to be one of the main reasons why. Yeah, I also have him. I just think if the Cardinals make the playoffs, there'd be no reason not to give him it if his numbers hold up. Yeah, and then I have Machado and Peter Alonso coming in second and third, which, another again, kind of two boring picks, but at the same time, like, Uh second half, you know, it's there's not a ton of room. Yeah, I had Machado winning it. I just kind of feel like he's a better player than Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt Mm -hmm. has had a few years where he's been still good, but not a cheatingly good player. So, like, 330 average, that's not going to last. You can't ride that average. And Machado's just an all-around better player. Goldschmidt's not going to hit, like, 45 homers either. I think Machado's going to have a, a 300 average with, like, 35 homers, playing great defense on a playoff team, and that yeah. is going to be enough to get I mean, an MVP. At least that's consistent with your Padres World Series prediction, so I, I don't hate that call. No. I think that could happen. Also, yeah, I mean, I have him coming in second, so, yeah, no. Yeah. Also, as we have a, about a minute and a half here to go, got to mention that Juan Soto... Turned down 15 years, $440 million from the Washington Nationals. That was their offer. About a week. Him. About a week after turning down the $350 yeah. million. So, so he's going to be traded. That's pretty much what we're saying. Everyone seems to be saying I that. think it's pretty clear at this point that Juan Soto does not want to be a National for life. So there'd really be no reason for the Nationals not to trade him this year unless they think and I think, he's And I think the team that's going to get him is going to be the team that has both the prospects to get him for two and a half and the money to sign him for a big deal yeah. after that. So it's not just going to be, you know, one of these small market teams. Yeah, I think whoever gets him is going to look to sign him, kind of like how the Dodgers got Betts and then signed him or how the Cardinals got Arenado and signed him. So Yankees, Dodgers, Mets, those are all candidates. Even Padres are a candidate. There's there's a lot of candidates, yeah. so uh, I feel like the Giants could be a sleeper. Yeah, actually, the Giants definitely are a sleeper. I, so I mean, it, it's gonna be fun to watch. I actually like that. I think it's good for the game to have a huge player like that oh, I, I, on the trade market. I, I really think it's a it's a great thing for the game. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely keep your eyes on Juan Soto in the coming week and a half before the trade deadline on August second. But that's gonna wrap it up here on Total Bases as we're out of time. But we'll be back next week with more baseball talk here on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM.